Hi, and welcome to QPod, our channel in which we invite you to learn more about QIC, who we are, what we do, and how we add value to our clients and partners. I'm Mark Joshi, the General Manager of Marketing and External Communications, and today we're going to give you access into the inner workings of QIC via a discussion with our General Manager of Strategy and Initiatives, Emma Hansford. This is really a chance for us to lift the veil and share with you how we're positioning ourselves and our clients for success both now and into the future. So welcome to QPod, Emma. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. Um, I'd be keen to understand, firstly, Emma, how you were drawn to your strategy role and can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and maybe share with us what attracts you to this kind of work? Oh, sure. Um, I think there's, I'm always interested in the big picture. So I've noticed across my career, some people really like depth and I very much respect the talent those people have in terms of going deep on a subject matter uh, topic. But I really enjoy breadth. I really enjoy working across multiple, multiple areas and trying to see how it fits together. So I was always attracted to strategy because you can sort of put your arms around the whole organisation and think about what you're doing to move it forward. I've had a really varied career um, because I am that sort of person that that likes new and interesting and challenging things. So I've worked um, as a political speech writer. I've worked in arts management. Um, I've worked in public relations and marketing. I've worked for surfing companies in retail. I've worked for big events management companies. Um, I've worked as a change consultant in a, a company listed on the stock exchange and have worked the last 12 years for QIC, but in about six or seven different roles across the company. Fantastic. And I guess, you know, that breadth of experience that you talk about really uh, positions you well for the role in strategy. So if we unpack that a bit for our listeners, how do you see your role as GM for strategy and initiatives? And what guidance does this role provide an organisation so it meets its business objectives, do you think? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think that um, I see my role clearly as an enabler and a collaborator with all of the really smart people that we've got working across QIC. So I work um, in the uh, corporate affairs strategy and government area uh, at, at QIC and it's sort of like the umbrella strategy at the enterprise level, working with the director and the CEO and creating that umbrella narrative. Um, and then I like to think about the handles of the umbrella as being all the different assets classes and capabilities that we're taking to the market. So I'm not deep on those asset classes. They do their own terrific job there, but rather thinking about QIC as a whole and how do we as a company successfully move forward. Um, I think frameworks are really important because we are a big diverse company, which is what makes it so interesting. But if you can have a really clear strategic framework that helps people get on the same page quickly and move the conversation forward or debate the outcomes. And I'm a big believer in establishing a narrative that makes sense. Um, again, maybe that's harking back to my arts background or marketing days, but I do believe that if you get the framework and the process data and questioning right and then wrap it up in a narrative that makes sense, it helps the whole organisation keep moving forward towards our objectives. 
And Em, clearly the strategy development and execution part of, of your role has uh, really taken on an added level of complexity given the current landscape with COVID-19. And I imagine this is a, a situation that's affecting a number of our clients and, 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 and businesses generally. What do you think are the lessons that you're learning around how to plan for a five or even 50 year plan when really the next five months feels pretty uncertain if we think about COVID? Yeah, one of the things that I really like about the strategy area is in some ways you can think about it like a theoretical problem um, and and find that theoretical framework that helps you make sense of both what we're going through and what the future could look like. So, of course, there's lots of different theories on how you um, undertake strategy planning within an organisation. And, you know, some uh, countries actually do a 100-year plan. So, Australia is quite conservative, I guess, in our one and three and five-year views. Um, To me, it's about understanding the strategic drivers and constantly adjusting that medium um, term view with a good knowledge of the areas that you have a competitive advantage in 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 the short term. So sometimes strategy is seen a little bit as an annual cycle, like a set and forget, but I don't believe that's the case. Um, And I think what's really interesting in this example is we do have an annual strategic planning day with our board. And in fact, COVID pretty much hit in between the EXCO approving the strategy and the going through to the board for sign-off. So the EXCO, our executive conversation was almost one of the last days in the office on the 16th of March. And by the 24th of March, we were in full work from home mode. So you can plan all you want and you can have great scenario planning, which our risk team do have. And we're in a good position to move um, to move from uh, our current strategy into dealing with the more immediate sort of crises mode. Um, but ultimately, it's just something that has to evolve. So we were really working on a strategy that was sort of a save to transform type strategy. We'd done some changes in our business that were addressing some of the strategic headwinds uh, facing us and our clients. And then like the whole world, within a week or two that changed and we really had to move to a retain and defend kind of strategy um, with an element of planning for growth in the background. So it's not like I set the strategy for QIC during COVID. It's a fantastic organisation and everyone immediately kicked into what they needed to do, which was working closely with our clients, working really actively with our assets um, and and understanding how their needs were changing and and how we could work with them. Um, But certainly what I did do was a lot of communication and consultation and listen to the way the business was working and read widely about the shifts in our strategic um, levers and, and kind of again, make that narrative and, and sit that in, sen- in a sense of what was happening via COVID. So what I did was develop a time box sort of approach. So time boxed a strategy around the COVID period and then talked through, I guess, the actions that I would undertake in the coming months to continually evolve our strategy as more information comes into play. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit of a moving feast, but um, I, I think we're doing it in a way that is clear 
and that sets clear priorities for our staff and that our clients understand um, that we're very seriously meeting their fiduciary obligations and, and working in this different way. Yeah, and I'd be interested to then take that one step down to th- and think about more of the sort of the mechanics and the tactics associated with trying to deliver that strategy of work in this particularly ambiguous environment. How did you make sure that you kept the organisation and the various parts of the business on the same page when you're not in a room together or in the same office building and you can't just wrangle people together? Can you can you give us some insight into that, Emma? Yeah, it is. It was a little bit more challenging um, because I think when you want to collaborate really effectively with colleagues, and especially if you're going to put up challenging ideas or concepts, obviously you want to keep those relationships strong, and it's always better doing that face to face. Um, and, and in a way, there's something to be said about sort of sitting down next to someone with a piece of paper that feels like you're working together on something as opposed to facing off each other, I think. Um, look, a lot of communication. I know I've used this joke a little bit, but so much communication that I had to get glasses because basically all I did was look in video conference um, <laughs> video conferences for many, many hours a day. My eyes stopped working. <laughs> Um, lots of communication, lots of listening to our clients um, and, and bringing that in and understanding the different drivers on the government side of the business and on the um, third party capital side of the business. Um, and uh, really saying, well, do the core pillars of the strategy change? Probably not, but in fact, it's the execution. It's the what we might be doing next or how we might be actually achieving that objective that has changed in this environment. But the objectives themselves remain the same. Our vision remains the same. The way we think about our competitive advantages in our business um, still remain the same. So I think also keeping a cool head and not sort of saying, oh my gosh, we need to throw everything out and start again, because that's not actually the case. There's a Uh, you know, a big market event like this happens at least every 10 years. Um, I worked at QIC through the GFC and I think we managed that really calmly and coolly and and we're doing the same with COVID. So keeping a bit of a check and balance around it all is is useful as well. Yeah, and I think you mentioned about people sometimes have shorter memories and, you know, and it's very easy to think, wow, this has never happened before and it feels like business has been turned up on its head and will never work the same as we did before. But as you said, over a horizon, a longer term horizon, that's potentially not the case. And I guess I wonder what principles that applied before COVID, in your view, still apply post-COVID already that you can see? Yeah, I I mean, I think we're a very fortunate asset manager in that we manage assets for the long term. And so when we say that, we mean that we are working with like-minded clients. We are working for long-term outcomes with the superannuation, pension and, and sovereign wealth sectors. So we can... Uh, we can take the um, calm approach. We can work to a longer time frame. We do need to understand COVID and uh, and and think about the impacts and opportunities that come out of it. Um, 
I would say that prior to COVID, um, it was really important to put ourselves in our client's shoes and be client-led and understand their needs and our point of value in meeting their needs. And I don't see how this would change post-COVID. Um, if anything, the speed and severity of the pandemic um, has mean their needs have changed quite dramatically. Again, probably different in the government sector to the non-government sector, but it's absolutely critical that we um, understand those needs and work with them and understand where we can add value. There's been no changes to those fundamentals of being client-led and client-first. And finally, Emma, if there's something you'd like to share with our listeners today around when they're thinking about strategy and strategy development, any advice or tips that you could give them in the development of their own personal or their professional strategies? Sure. I mean, I'm probably a little bit irritating to my family because I, I kind of think of everything now in these blocks and frameworks. And <laughs> they, so, so I think about my career in the same way. And that is set your big light on top of the hill. You know, where would you like to be in five years? And that's essentially your vision. And then what are the skills, knowledge and experience that you feel that you need to get there? And they're essentially the core capabilities um, in business speak, if you put them personally. So I actually have wanted to um, work in this role for probably over 10 years. Um, and it's not something I... Um, thought about every day or even every quarter, but I did work out, okay, what are the skills, experience and knowledge I would have to have to be able to really do that role well and add value there and then just slowly build up those blocks. Um, but don't forget, just like in good strategy, you don't just stick to the plan. You do need to um, keep your eyes open for the opportunistic play um, and not be so rigid in your thinking that you forget to um, take an interesting and very beneficial sort of little side diversion. So I've taken plenty of roles um, that were not necessarily promotions, or but that built that breadth um, in my career. And I think that served me well. Um, and I'd also just like to say, I'm very happy to talk to people over LinkedIn. So please feel free to look me up and chat directly. Um, I, I do, I am very passionate about, um, you know, thinking about these issues and sharing information along the way. Thank you, Emma. And, and again, thank you for letting us into the inner workings of QIC and really sharing your insights into strategy and the role it plays in the need for resilience and agility during these particularly uncertain times. If you'd like any more information about what was discussed on QPod today, then please reach out to your relationship manager or via our website. And thanks again for listening and please look out for the next edition of QPod. Have a lovely day.